Thank you for choosing the podcast of East Haven Baptist Church in Brookhaven, Mississippi. For more information on the ministries of East Haven and to access videos and sermon notes from our services, visit www.easthaven.net. If you were to get a group of followers of Christ together and you were to ask them the question, what does it mean to walk by the Spirit? You would probably get a wide range of answers. Uh, you would probably get answers that, if we, if we get right down to it, probably answers that would, that would stray toward one or other extreme. Because some people would say this, walking by the Spirit means that you just let go and let God. Now, that's not necessarily a bad phrase to use sometimes if we're consumed with worry and doubt and fear, and we just have some things we need to let go of and give them over to God. But as a general course of life, if we say, well, you just let go and let God, that means you, you just empty yourself of everything, you divest yourself of everything, you don't do any thinking on your own, and you just allow God to, to work in you, you just allow God to take over everything, and you are just passive before God. And so that tends a little more toward the mystic way of understanding what does it mean to walk by the Spirit. That can also lead to emotionalism. But on the other side, you have, you have people who may say, okay, this is how you walk by the Spirit. You have to read your Bible so often. You need to go to church. You need to pray. You need to do all the right things. And if you just do all of these things, A, B, C, if you do them in the right order, in the right way, then you'll be walking by the Spirit. So that side is a little more mechanical. So you have one side that says, follow these rules and regulations, the do's and the don'ts. And if you do that, you're walking by the spirit. You have another side that says, no, there aren't any do's and don'ts. What you need to do is just feel what God is leading you to do. And you do that. And that's more mystical. So what is the biblical answer to this? Well, the biblical answer is neither of those. The biblical answer is a relationship with Jesus. When you read in the New Testament, you read the New Testament letters it's important that we understand that the letters were written to a people at a specific time for a purpose. Because so often we, we may pick up a, the Bible and we may go to one of the letters in the New Testament or any of the other works uh, of uh, the books in the, in the Bible. But specifically, we're talking about letters. If you go to a letter, it's easy to read the book of Romans or read the book of 1 Corinthians. And, and we don't understand the context to whom it is being written, and what is the occasion of that letter. We need to understand that. And if we want to talk about mysticism and we want to talk about being mechanical, you find there are two books in the Bible that reflect that well. One of them is the book of Colossians. The book of Colossians was written to the church at Colossae, and they were plagued by a group of people who were teaching that there is a mystical higher knowledge that you need to understand in order to understand Jesus. And they were twisting the gospel. They were much more mystical. And then you find in the book of Galatians that they were plagued with legalism. People who were saying, yes, you come to Jesus, but yes, you maintain that salvation by doing all these rules and regulations. And so Paul writes to each of those churches and each of those people and confronts them in their misunderstanding of what it means to live for Christ and to walk by the Spirit. And in Galatians chapter 5, 
there's a very well-known passage where Paul addresses what does it really mean to walk by the Spirit. So it is neither mysticism, nor is it being mechanical, and it's not even somewhere in between. It's something completely other. It is a vibrant, true, growing relationship with Jesus, with a person, the person of Jesus living in us through the person of the Holy Spirit. And so today, as we're continuing our series called Revive Us Again, I want us to look at this idea of what does it mean to walk by the Spirit? We've been talking about this for the last two weeks. We've been mentioning it, walking by the Spirit, depending upon the Spirit, relying upon the Spirit of God. But what does that look like lived out? How do you do that? Is it just a matter of letting go and letting God? Or is it a matter of all the rules and regulations? And again, we're going to find it's neither It is based upon a relationship. So I only have one point today, but I broke that sentence up into three different points. You're welcome. And so we have, we have three different points and we're just going to take one section at a time and we're going to complete this sentence. And for those of you who may be English majors or English teachers, no, it's not a run on sentence. I was very careful about that. All right. Old English teacher myself, but let's pick up in Galatians chapter five. We're going to start with verse 16. Paul writes, but I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these things are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. So Paul starts out by telling us that we face a persistent internal battle. We all face, if we're a follower of Christ, we face a persistent internal battle. So if we're going to walk by the Spirit, what does that look like? Well, we need to know, first of all, what is going to stop us or hinder us from walking by the Spirit, and that is our flesh. Now, we've defined flesh a few times before. Let's define it again. The Bible uses flesh in a few different ways. One way it talks about flesh is in the sense of flesh and blood, our our humanity, that we are physical beings. And another way, in this case, the way that Paul uses the word flesh, it means the habits of the old you. The Bible tells us that the old us, the old person, the person uh, that we were or that you were before you come to Christ, that person dies with Christ on the cross. We are a new creation in Christ. So we are a brand new person, we are a new man, a new woman in Christ, we have new life in Christ, but the habits of who we once were live on in the form of what the Bible refers to as the flesh. Uh, On my parents' property, whenever I was a kid, my father took me out one day and it was in the fall and that broom sage grass had, had grown for me overhead high. And we stood on a hill and the wind was blowing. And my father said, son, I want you to just watch. And so I'm straining, looking out across these hills and across these fields. And, and I'm thinking maybe he spots a deer or maybe he spots some other animal. And I'm straining to look. And I said, I don't, I don't understand what I'm looking for. And he said, wait until the wind blows. And when the wind would blow a certain way, 
you could see these grooves, these, these lines snaking their way through that broom sage. And I said, what are those? And he said, those are old wagon ruts. That's where the old wagon road was here. And that ground has been compacted by so many countless wagon wheels that the grass does not grow as tall in there because the ground is packed so hard. But those are the old wagon ruts. That's what the flesh is for us. The flesh is the, the wagon rut. It's the grooves that the old us, the old person that we were, that, that old person's habits, that way of life, that way of thinking, that way of feeling, that whole course of life is worn those grooves. And when the wind blows just right, they appear. And so we always battle that internal habitual sin, those wagon ruts of sin that exist within our hearts and our minds, not that, that we are that old person, that old person's dead, but it's the habits of who we used to be. And so Paul writes and says that the habits of who we once were and who we are now in the spirit, they are always opposed to each other. The Bible says that they are opposed to each other. The desires of the flesh are against the spirit. The desires of the spirit are against the flesh. These are opposed to each other. Some translations say they are contrary to one another. They war with each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. So how are we to walk by the spirit? We're to walk by the spirit understanding that we are facing a persistent internal battle. That battle is never going to go away while we are here on earth. Until we are made perfect in the presence of God, we will always face that persistent internal battle. It's always going to be there. And when Paul writes, walk by the spirit, he is talking about our entire course of life. He's talking about the way that we speak, the way that we think, the way that we feel, the way that we act. All of that is wrapped up in that idea of walking by the spirit. And what comes against that? Our flesh. Because our flesh says, no, 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 this is a better way to think. No, 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 this is a better way to speak. This is a better way to feel. This is a better way to act. I, I can tell you how to do that. And if we are careful, we will slip into depending upon the flesh instead of depending upon the spirit. Because they're always at war with each other. Listen to Romans 8, verse 7. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. So a mind that's set on the flesh cannot cannot conform and submit to the law of God, to, to God's perfect standard. It's always at war. Our flesh is at war with God himself. And sometimes we see that. Have you ever done this? Have you ever been going along, minding your own business? Maybe you're driving, maybe you're sitting at home, maybe you're, you're in the middle of a conversation, and a thought goes through your mind, and you think, my goodness, I am so glad that we have sanctity of thought. And that nobody can read my mind. Have you ever thought this? You just have a thought and it's just, I mean, just like mean, just a mean thought or a harsh thought or a cruel thought. And, and some thought that you say, that is not, that's not pure praiseworthy. That's not any of those things that my thoughts are supposed to be. And you just have this thought that goes through your mind and you say, where did that come from? That's your flesh. It's the flesh that is, that is perpetuating these ideas and, 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 and lying to you. And granted, we know Satan does and the world does, but we can't underestimate our nearest enemy, which is our flesh. Our flesh, we, we deal with that daily and it's always at war. And so then when God says, this is my perfect standard, do you know what the flesh says? The flesh says, nah, nah, 
I'm not following that. Or the flesh says this, oh, I can do that. I can meet that standard. I can do it myself. I'm capable of that. The flesh is very, very deceptive. We find in Romans chapter 7, verse 21, Paul writes, So I find it to be a law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. For I delight in the law of God in my inner being. Paul sees God's perfect standard and he says, I delight in this. This is good. This is pure. This is right. But I see in my members, that is his body, another law waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. That's his flesh. Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then I myself serve the law of God with my mind, but with my flesh I serve the law of sin. He said, I want to do what's right. I look at God's law and I say, it's good, it's right, it's perfect, it's, it's holy. And he says, but my flesh, my flesh is always at battle with what God says and with what my spirit wants to do. This is an important fact we need to understand. Our flesh, the habits of the old person, our flesh cannot be rehabilitated. It cannot be reformed. It must be nailed to the cross. Can't be trusted, can't be coddled, can't be reasoned with, can't be negotiated with. It must be nailed to the cross. And we can't control our flesh with moralism. Well, I'm just going to do the right thing in this way. And we can't control it with legalism. Okay, well, I'm just going gonna, gonna to set up all these rules and regulations and I'm going to beat my flesh into submission. It's not the way the flesh works. The flesh must be crucified, which leads us to the next idea. We face a persistent internal battle and live out the results of daily victory or defeat. We do battle every day. Now, granted, I understand we do battle with the world and we do battle with Satan. But specifically here, I want us to talk about doing battle with the flesh And every day we are going to have victories and we will have defeats whenever we are combating the flesh. Listen to Galatians again. This is Galatians 5, starting with verse 18. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now, what is he talking about there? Well, now, the church at Galatia was plagued, we said, with legalism. And they were trying to bring everybody back under the Old Testament law. You get saved by Jesus, by faith, but then you maintain your salvation by keeping all the rules and regulations and stipulations of the Old Testament law. And he's saying, if you're led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. Does that mean that God's perfect standard is no more? No, it is. God's perfect standard is still there. But the idea is that that is not keeping the law is not what motivates us any longer because now we're being led by the Spirit. So look at the works of the flesh. If we allow the flesh to have its fruition and bring out the results of living by it, this is what happens. Verse 19, now the works of the flesh are evident. They're clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and like these. 
and like these. It's like he's just saying, and there's lots of others. We could add to this, but this is just a representative sample. He says, I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, sometimes people take that last phrase and they say, ah, so this person has a fit of anger, or this person is envious, or this person got drunk, uh, so therefore that person is not going to go to heaven. Okay, well, that, that word means it's a habitual lifestyle. It's not a lapse, it's a lifestyle. So he's saying that those who continually practice this are giving evidence that they are not truly followers of Christ. It's not that they do this and it's like, well, you're out. No, it's that if you continue to do these things and these are the things that mark your life and these are the results of your life, then he's saying that that's evident that you are not living by the Spirit. It's evident that you are depending upon something else. But even followers of Christ may have lapses of these things whenever we're allowing the flesh to rule. We live out the results of daily victory or daily defeat. Look at what the fruit of the Spirit or the fruit of the Spirit are or is. Verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And then he says, against such things there is no law. There's no law, there's no rules and regulations that you can follow to produce the fruit of the Spirit. You don't produce the fruit of the Spirit by legalistic means. You, you, you don't. You produce the fruit of the Spirit when the Holy Spirit is producing it through you. How does the Holy Spirit produce that fruit through you? By that daily victory in the Spirit. Well, how does that happen? When we overcome by the power of the Spirit, the flesh that is doing battle with the Spirit every day. Well, how do we do that? That's the next point. Don't get ahead. Okay. So he says that we are going to have the results. So we're going to show the results of living by the flesh or living by the Spirit. It's going to be evident. It's going to be clear. They're going to come out. Listen to Matthew 12, 33. The words of Jesus, either make the tree good and its fruit good or make the tree bad and its fruit bad for the tree is known by its fruit. We will all bear fruit. And that fruit will give evidence, as you've heard me say so many times, the fruit is evidence of the root. Or the fruit is proof of the root. Whatever the fruit is, that is proof of what type of tree that is and what that tree is rooted in. And so we're all going to bear fruit. And if we're living according to the flesh, we bear fruit. We have the results of living according to the flesh, the works of the flesh. But if we're living by the Spirit, we bear the fruit of the Spirit. So Paul mentions twice in this particular passage, verse 18, if you're led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. Verse 23, against such things there is no law. And we talked earlier about God's perfect standard, the, the law of God. Listen to what that law does in us. This is in Romans chapter 7, verse 10. Paul writes, the very commandment that promised life proved to be death to me. For sin, seizing an opportunity through the commandment, deceived me. And through it killed me. So the law is holy and the commandment is holy and righteous and good. Did that which is good then bring death to me? By no means. It was sin producing death in me through what is good. In order that sin might be shown to be sin and through the commandment might become sinful beyond measure. You say, what is going on there? Paul is saying that whenever the perfect standard of God was presented to him, 
Then he saw just how sinful he was. And his flesh said, I think I can meet that standard. And thus added sin upon sin. And Paul says that the the law, the perfect standard of God, it's perfect. It's holy. It's good. It's righteous. But the problem is we are not. And the problem is when God says, here's my perfect standard. We, we say, we can't meet that. The whole idea of this perfect standard of God is so we look at it and we realize, I can't do that. I need someone else to do this for me. That's what Jesus did. He lived a perfect life. He lived perfectly by the perfect standard of God and then took our penalty upon himself on the cross so that we could have his righteousness, his right standing as one who has never broken the law of God. But he says that sin that's within us, that sin that's within us, when that sin, it, it's, it's escalated, it's, it's elevated, it's magnified in contrast to the perfect law of God. And Paul is saying that you can't have that daily victory by following the rules or regulations. You can't have that daily victory by just depending upon some emotional moment. Because the flesh that is within us is rebellious. The flesh that is within us is fighting against the Spirit of God. It doesn't want to do what the Spirit of God says. Think about this. You, you know this. You see speed limit posted. And immediately you start thinking, I wonder how much beyond the speed limit I can go. Right? Or you see a sign that says, keep off the grass. You've never even thought about walking on that grass, but you see a sign that says, keep off the grass, and now you want to get on the grass. Right? You see a sign that says, do not touch, you want to touch it. You, think about it. Think about it so far as diets are concerned. Uh, you, you say, I'm going to not eat this particular thing. And immediately you begin to crave that particular thing. There was a high school teacher of mine. She said that she went in for some dental work and the dentist said, I'm going to prescribe some medication to you. He's raising the chair up. He said, I'm prescribing some medication. He said, but just go ahead and give you a heads up. Uh, you won't be able to eat any dairy. And she said, as they're raising me up in the chair, the first word out of my mouth was cheese. And he said, what? She said, I just want cheese. He said, well, you can't have any cheese. She said, no, you don't understand. I don't even like cheese. And when you said, I can't have dairy, the first thing that went through my mind is, I want cheese. I don't even like it. What's wrong with me? Well, that's what the flesh does. You tell the flesh no, and the flesh says, oh, I'll show you. Well, I want that. You tell the flesh no, you deny yourself, and the flesh says, well, that's what I want. Even if it doesn't want it. Even if you've never thought about it before. And that's how the flesh works. The flesh is always at war with the spirit. And we live with this daily victory or daily defeat as we confront the the flesh and we always default from grace we go away from grace we go toward legalism we go toward rules and regulations or we go toward just throwing up our hands and just having license just i'm just going to do whatever we move in one direction or the other and god says we are to live out this daily victory this daily defeat if we are depending on the flesh but we can live out this daily victory by the power of the spirit how do we do that we abide in christ and we're going to unpack that a little more in just a second we abide in christ listen to john chapter 15 verse 5 jesus says i am the vine you are the branches whoever abides in me and i in him he it is that bears much fruit from a, for apart from me you can do nothing how do you bear fruit you abide in jesus 
you stay put in Jesus. Well, we have a we have a, a blackberry uh, bush. Uh, it's uh, one of those kind of upright blackberry bushes that I planted out in our backyard. And and one of the things that I know for certain, if I snip off one of those blackberry canes, and I put it over by itself over on the back porch and just let it sit, it will never bear fruit. It will die because I've disconnected it from its root. Jesus says, if you are going to bear fruit, you must abide in me. You're a branch that needs to abide in the vine. You have to stay put in me. You have to stay connected to me because I'm the one who gives you life. So don't miss this. Jesus dies on the cross and I think this is where we, we, we sometimes we overlook this. Jesus died on the cross so that if we trust him in faith and if we trust him for our salvation, we receive his righteousness, that is his right standing before God. Now, we've talked about this so many times. So we receive God's righteousness the righteous, or the righteousness of Christ, the same right standing of Jesus before God himself. Jesus takes our penalty. He gives us his righteousness by faith. And sometimes we just leave it there. But then we have to understand and we say, well, I have new life in Christ. Okay, let's, let's think about this for a second. We have new life in Christ. Galatians 2.20 says that it's, it's not I, but Christ who lives in me. So that means that Now, this new life that I have, I have right standing before God, but not just right standing before God. Now, Jesus, through the person of the Holy Spirit, is living in me and living out his life through me. Which means if I'm walking by the Spirit, that means I am walking as Jesus would have walked. Not just as he would have walked, as he is walking in me, as he is living in me. So that means my thoughts, I, I have to have them lined up with Jesus. My words, my emotions, my actions are lined up with Jesus. Why? Because Jesus has given me his life. So I have a new life in Christ. It doesn't just stop at salvation. Well, I'm saved, so now I'm done. Now I just wait until I'm, I'm, I die until I go to be with Jesus. No, Jesus is with us now. And so now we live out this life and he is living his life through us. So what does that look like? All right, last part of the sentence. We face a persistent internal battle and live out the results of daily victory or defeat depending upon our continuous self-sacrifice. Jesus dies on the cross to give us new life in him. And we die daily to self so that that life may be seen in us. Look at verse 24. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. So we face this persistent internal battle. The flesh is warring with the Spirit. And we live out the results of daily victory or defeat. How do we have that daily victory? We are to practice continual self-sacrifice. If we don't practice continual self-sacrifice, we'll experience defeat. Now, sometimes we'll say this. You know, you wake up in the morning and you say, Lord, 
Lord, I want to give my life to you today. I give you all the details of my life. Father, I'm laying them all about before you. I'm surrendering to the power of the Holy Spirit. And then you get out of bed, right? And, and things kind of go downhill from there. You, you get out of bed and then, you know, you may be perturbed before you leave for work. You know, you, you start, you know, you start driving, you, you may pray this. I mean, if uh, you know, I'll pray this, Lord, I, I give my life to you. I'm uh, Lord. I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm turning over today to you. It's all yours. You lead as you want to lead. And then by the time I get to 55, I got to say it again, right? Oh, for goodness sake, let me in, let me merge. How hard is this people? You know, you understand you get to work. You're like, you're walking in the spirit. Everything's great. And then as you're walking along, you got your cup of coffee. You know, you're, you're at your place of business. You're walking along and you're like, oh, this is going to be such a good day. And then that person pops their head up over the cubicle. Some of you just thought about a particular person. They pop their head up the cubicle and they're like, hey, you got a minute? And you immediately know it's about to go downhill, right? There, there's this battle with your flesh. It's going to arise. So we face this, this persistent internal battle and we experience daily defeat or daily victory. It's all dependent upon our continual or continuous self-sacrifice. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. The old me died on the cross with Jesus. The habits of the old me, the flesh, are put to death daily by the Spirit. It's the same cross. The cross is what gives us that salvation, as we talked about last week, when we are delivered from the penalty of sin. But it's the same cross that I nail my flesh to daily in order to be freed of the power of sin. How do I do this? Well, Romans six twelve. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Don't let it reign. Don't let it rule. Don't let it into the command center of your life. How? How? Let me tell you how. Now, if you're, if you're expecting, okay, we're going we're gonna to give you like five easy steps to follow to defeat the flesh. No, I'm just going to give you one. Here it is. Whenever, imagine you're walking. Imagine you're walking down a path, all right? You're walking down a path. You're walking down a trail. Some of you say, I'm not a hiker. That's okay. It's a metaphor. All right, so you're, you're walking down a path. And you come to a fork. And one way is the way of the flesh. If you go this way, it's going to gratify the flesh. It's going to satisfy that, that, that unredeemed part of your humanity. And it's, it, and it's an easy path. It's, it's kind of a downhill path. It seems very smooth. It seems pretty wide. It seems pretty easy. But it is the way of the flesh. But then there's this uphill path. It's a, it's a little more rocky. It may be a little more difficult, maybe a little more curvy. And you may not be able to see quite as far ahead. And that's choosing to depend upon the Spirit. Now, I know some of you are saying, well, that sounds, that rocky path sounds an awful lot like works. No, uh, just a metaphor, okay? Here's what I'm saying. You face those forks in your road and in your path on a moment-by-moment basis. And when that moment comes, that moment of decision, that is an opportunity to say, I choose to sacrifice my flesh, to nail my flesh to the cross and choose the way of the Spirit. And can I tell you what happens? You get just a little farther down that path and there's another fork. 
and another opportunity for the flesh or the spirit. And you choose it again. Well, how many times do you do this a day? I don't know, maybe 300. (laughs) It's a moment by moment walk with Christ. It's not some legalistic thing, but you will have those moments. Some of you have had those moments just this morning, probably before you got here. You had some moments where you could either respond by the flesh or you could die to self and respond by the spirit. These are moments of sacrifice. And can I tell you, the closer you walk to the cross, the more your life will be marked by sacrifice. That's just the nature of it. The more like Jesus you walk, the more sacrifices and more costly those sacrifices will become. That's not legalism. That's just self-sacrifice. The way of the flesh does not require you to sacrifice anything except it requires you to sacrifice a life with walking by the Spirit. Now, let's say you go along and you say, well, I chose that path. I chose the way of the flesh in this particular situation. What happens? Well, we repent. We repent and we get back on the path of the Spirit. What if I don't repent? Well, if you're truly a child of God, he disciplines you as long as you're walking on that path. And it's a miserable path. It promises to be smooth. It promises to be easy, but you keep walking it and God keeps disciplining you out of his love to get you back on track because he loves you that much. He doesn't want you walking on that path. And so whenever we face those moments, those decision moments, those are sacrifice moments. Those are, those are faith crisis moments. Am I going to trust what God says? The way of the flesh seems very logical. The way of the spirit, I don't know. I can't see that far ahead. But what does God say in his words? Why it's important we understand what God's word says. God's word says this. I've been praying and I've I've been staying close to God and trying to stay clean so I can clearly discern which path. This is the path of the spirit. This is the path of the flesh. And the flesh loves to say, no, 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 this is the truly spiritual way. That's why you have to know what the Bible says. You have to know his word. You abide in his word. You stay close to him. And then he leads you in those ways. Because those ways are always costly. The way of the spirit, that fork that you take toward the life with the spirit is always going to cost us. And what it will cost us is the flesh. Because we nail our flesh to the cross. Every time we, make, we take that fork, the fork of the spirit, we are saying... I'm nailing my flesh to the cross. I'm self-sacrificing. I'm self-denying. And that's how we live by the Spirit. That's how we walk by the Spirit. Verse 25, if we live by the Spirit of Galatians 5, if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. If we live by the Spirit, meaning if the Spirit has truly given us life that we talked about before, if the Spirit has given us life, then let's walk in that life. Let's keep in step with that life. Let's follow the Spirit and as He leads. Listen to 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. You, you take that path of the Spirit. You say, I'm going to deny the flesh, I'm going to self-sacrifice, and I'm going to follow the Spirit. Do you know what happens in that moment? You are made more like Christ, depending upon the Spirit's leading. And then what happens? You come to another fork, 
and you take the path of the Spirit. What happens then? He transforms you from glory to glory, from one degree of glory to another. He makes you more like Jesus, and more like Jesus, and more like Jesus. And the sacrifice may get more and more costly as you go, just as the cross was the most costly of sacrifices. You'll never have a sacrifice that is that costly, that costs God as much as it costs God. But we will have sacrifices where we deny ourselves, take up our cross daily, and follow him. We die to self again and again and again and again and again. Now, that's not I wake up in the morning, I'm going to say a prayer, and then I'm done. And then by the end of the day, I go and I take stock and I go, well, I really messed up today, Lord. No, this is a daily awareness of how God is leading because it's a relationship. And we're following him moment by moment. It's not just Sunday. It's not just in Sunday school. It's not just, oh, I'm, I'm, I have this, oh, I'm just so close to God. I'm having my daily devotion, which is wonderful. I'm so close to God as I'm praying. Wonderful. Yes. But then how do you live that out? Daily denying self. And when you come to that crisis moment, that crisis of faith moment, even, how, even if it's very, very small, even if it's a small thing, you take it. You take the path of the Spirit. You walk by the Spirit. And you, and you die to self. And by the Spirit, you do that. You nail your old self to the, or the habits of the old self, the flesh. You nail it to the cross. And you keep going. And little by little, decision by decision, from one moment of decision to another moment of decision, from one moment of glory to another moment of glory, we are being transformed more and more into the likeness of Christ. And the life of Christ that is within us becomes more and more and more evident to those around us. That's what happens. That's how we walk by the Spirit. Keep in step with the Spirit. Someone uh, did a study of this. Now, I haven't looked it up myself, but somebody had done a study, and I was reading not so long ago that someone said, the most common phrase that you find Jesus saying in the Gospels is a two-word phrase, follow me. It's the most common phrase. Follow me. Follow me. And that is not just that is not just the idea of following him and then being saved and then saying, "Well, I'm in." No, it's following him daily. It's a commitment to follow him daily. Not just a commitment, it's a surrender to him. It's a submission to him. You're the leader, I'm not. I'm going to follow you. Anything that's going to stand in my way of me knowing you best, following you most clearly, following you most closely, Jesus, I'm I'm going to crucify it. I'm going to lay it aside. I'm going to say no to it. I'm going to nail it to the cross. You know, the problem is, multiple times a day, you nail your flesh to the cross, and it doesn't outright die. It just sort of lingers and it wants to get off the cross and it'll pull itself off the cross and crawl down and crawl right back into your life. That's why when the Bible says that we are to crucify the flesh, it's not just a matter of nailing it to the cross. Crucifixion was not just nailing somebody to the cross. Crucifixion was the whole process by which a person was condemned to die and then be nailed to the cross. When we crucify our flesh, what we're saying is this, God, my flesh the habits of who I used to be, the flesh is worthy to die. It's worthy to die. It it is condemned to death. 
It is passing a death sentence upon it because it's an enemy of God. And whenever we do that, we choose the way of the Spirit. Have you considered this? If you are walking in the Spirit, by the Spirit of God, in that moment, don't miss this, in that moment when you are walking by the Spirit, you will not sin. Not only that, you cannot sin. Now, I know some people say, oh, but wait, yes, you can. Not not if you are walking in the Spirit. Not if you're depending upon the Spirit of God. Now, will we sin? Yes. Because we are not continually walking in the full Spirit of God in control of our lives. But you can rest assured that whenever you sin, when I sin, that's a moment that I have, I have stepped off the path and I'm living in the flesh. But as long as we are living by the Spirit, we'll be living by the Spirit. And the Spirit's not going to produce sin in our life. And so we all face this, this way of we, we walk in the Spirit and then we, we stumble off the path. Then we get back on the path and we stumble off the path. Don't get frustrated with that. Keep getting back on the path. And, and, and understand that God wants you to walk in His Spirit. And if God's been, been disciplining you, don't understand. He, he, he's not going to rest you're his kid. He's going to keep it up as long as it takes. He's just, you know, if you go, well, I've been going my own way and then, you know, and God's been after me. Okay. Well, you think God's going to go, you know what? I'm, I'm just, I'm going to forget it. I mean, he might, that's, that'd be really bad for you. Okay. I'm just saying, right. Cause that's a different story for a different time. But I'm saying God will do all these things to bring his children back on the right path. How do we walk by the spirit? We walk by the Spirit by daily self-sacrifice. We walk by the Spirit by denying our flesh. We walk by the Spirit by crucifying our flesh and its passions and nailing them to the cross of Christ. Now, I don't know in this room, this size, I know we all, we all have things we wrestle with. Can I tell you, would today, today would you say, okay, I, I'm, I am going to surrender to Christ and I am going to, I'm going to practice this on a daily basis and I'm going to say, this isn't just a, a momentary thing or, or one, a, a, an instant thing that's going to happen, but I'm going to, I'm going to strive to live this lifestyle where I am surrendering on a moment-by-moment basis to the leading of Jesus as he has revealed his truth in his word. And, and I'm going to trust in him, I'm going to have faith in him, and I'm going to follow him. And, may, and I know you say, well, that's, that's pretty simple. Yeah, it's, it's pretty simple. But can I tell you this? It will absolutely, completely, and totally, radically, 110% change the course of your life. It will. It will. It, it absolutely will. Daily self-sacrifice, moment by moment, obedience to Christ by His Spirit. And you may be here this morning, and, or you may be listening or watching, and you may say, I, 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 don't, I didn't even know there was a path. I've never been on that path. I don't know what it's like to follow Christ. Well, Jesus himself says that he is the way, the truth, and the life. He is the way to God. He is the only way to God. He is the truth. All truth is found in Jesus. His words are truth. And he is the life. He is the only one by him. He is the only one by which we can have eternal life and have eternal life with God. He's the only one. 
And, and, and how did he do it? He died a cruel death on a cross for our sins, gave us his righteousness. And if we trust that he did that for us, if we trust that he will forgive us of our sins, if we come to him in repentance and humility, say, Jesus, I, I, save me. Forgive me of my sins. And Jesus says, follow me. And that's what we are to do. We are to follow him. Daily sacrifice our flesh after we make a decision to follow him. If you've never done that, let me encourage you. Let today be the day that you say yes to him. And if there's something you've been wrestling with, if there's something you've been you've been fighting with, there's part of the, there's that there's that one battle that your flesh has been doing war with your spirit over and you know that is a major battle. Can I just tell you this week those opportunities come you, you make that decision when you reach that fork, when you reach that decision point, when you reach that moment of decision, you reach that moment of faith crisis, you make the decision to follow the Spirit. Can I tell you what happens? We try to anticipate and we think about how hard it's going to be to say no to our flesh. We think about that long before it happens. And we go, oh, I just don't know. I think I'll be powerless when that comes, when that temptation comes. No, can I just tell you this? When you nail your flesh to the cross, you're not doing it by your own power. When you nail your flesh to the cross, you find that the Holy Spirit rushes in and empowers you to continue to do that. Because you'll find that no, when you say no to your flesh, the Holy Spirit is the one who empowers you to follow through with that. Now, is it, is it difficult sometimes? Sure, because the flesh is such a formidable enemy. But you too can walk by the Spirit. It all comes down to that moment of decision. Let's pray. Lord God, we come before you. Father, we're thankful for your Spirit. We're thankful that we don't, we are not left to our own devices to figure out what your standard is. You tell us. But we're, left not, we're, we're not left to our own devices to try to meet that standard. You've provided Jesus. And we're not left to our own ways to, to try to continue to walk by the Spirit because you give us the power to do that. And you give us the direction and you give us the understanding and you give us the wisdom. And so, Father, I, I pray that today, through this truth from your word, Father, we would be a people who walk by your Spirit, that we depend upon your spirit that whenever we face that fork in the path when we face that alternate route in the road that we would listen very carefully to you that we would know your word that we would love your word that we would abide in your word and that we would understand what that means to walk in the spirit and that when that moment of decision comes we would we would choose the spirit over the flesh. And we would do that time and time and time again. And as we walk in that way and as we walk by your spirit, you transform us more and more into the likeness of Christ. We have a closer walk with Christ. We become more like him in the way that we talk, in the way that we think, in the way that we, the, our emotions and the way that we act. Father, I pray that for us as a church, as a people, as individuals, as families. I pray that you would do a work and we would be people who 
Walk by your spirit. And keep in step with your spirit. Submit to your spirit. And follow his leading. Father, I pray that now in this time, whatever decision needs to be made, if it's a decision to come to you for salvation, to say, I'm a sinner in need of salvation. I'm a sinner in need of a savior. I'm, I'm separated from God. I, I need to follow Christ. Father, I pray today would be the day that those individuals would just maybe just step forward and just come, just tell one of us, this is, I just, I need Christ so that we can have someone explain more fully what that means. Father, maybe people here today, people listening, people watching, and they say, I've been wrestling with this one particular thing again and again and again. Father, I pray that today would be the day that they would say no more. And today would be the day that they would start depending upon your spirit to crucify the flesh. And they would do that moment by moment by moment. And that you would give them the victory. And that they would see that victory and know it in a way maybe they've never known it before. They would know freedom in a way they've never known it before. Father, I pray that you would do that by your spirit, for your purposes, for your glory alone. Father, I pray for us as a people. I pray for us as a church. May we be a people who walk by your spirit, who keep in step with your spirit. Make us so sensitive to the leading and guidance of your spirit. May we always go back to your word. May we always depend upon your word because your spirit will never contradict your word. Holy Spirit agrees and speaks just those things he has heard from your word. So Father, I pray that we would depend solely and completely upon your word as the as the source of truth. And then as we see the Holy Spirit move that we would we would go to your word and and know that it's your leading and your guidance. So Father, I pray in this time whatever decision needs to be made, I pray you would give the boldness. Father, I pray that you would give the, the steadfastness to follow through. Father, if there's any decision that needs to be made, Father, I pray that um, anybody that needs to make it, whether it's coming forward to pray, talking with one of us up front, whatever needs to be done to be obedient to you, pray that uh, we would do that and that would not be undone. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.